listening to an old WTF with Chuck Klosterman. And I, are, are you much of a Klosterman fan? I'm, uh, I've read just about everything up until Downtown Owl. And I've kind of lost track since then. I read Downtown Owl. I like um, Downtown Owl, by the way. I did too. I just uh, I I was not as big a fan of of his fiction as as his essays. Uh, yeah, his essays are so, amazing. I assume you've read the one on Billy Joel. I don't know if I have or not. At this point, the the one that I always remember most is the collection I remember most anyway is Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs. I think that's where the uh, Billy Joel one is. I know it's the one where he talks about uh, about Star Wars and how uh, – he. Had, I, I think it's a really interesting article about how uh, how, you know, one of the reasons – you know how kids loved the prequels, the Star Wars prequels, mm-hmm. and they were many of them. You know, were seeing it at the age that that we were with the original trilogy, and right. uh, so I thought it was. I remember thinking that was a very interesting comparison because I have been a, uh, I've, I've long hated those prequels. So I'm. Um as I've started watching television or media through my, my oldest, my oldest kid's eyes, um, I'm starting to, um, I'm starting to, uh, get a little more appreciation for those prequels. Not much. Um, (laughs) (laughs) there's just, but uh, there's no, there is no, uh, excusing jar jar no and there's no excusing there's a lot of things that there's no excusing excusing in those prequels for instance but, uh hayden christensen <laughs> um who apparently is coming back um for uh one of the shows um i'm not sure which one to, to um, play more anakin i mean we know he's darth vader and right well he's gonna he play darth vader he's james earl jones I think he's the Obi Wan. Uh, he's going to be in the Obi Wan series. Let's let's go ahead and, and intro the show. This is Mental yeah because I want yeah because I want to talk about um, watching episode one with my kid. I, I have <laughs> I also have something to say, but it's going to go off on a tangent. And and I want to say this is Mental Platypus. I'm Jared. I'm Jason. You can find us at Mental underscore Platypus on Twitter and Instagram. And if you go to mentalplatypus.com, hit the contact link. You can email us through that. It's much easier than remembering our very long email address. So it's probably the, the easiest way to, to get in touch with us. And please, we're on just about everything now. Uh, we're on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, uh, Google Podcasts, just mm-hmm. many, many podcasting platforms if we're not on your platform that you prefer and you would like us to be there let me know or let mm-hmm. one of us know so on um and soon to be syndicated on hundreds of public radio stations across the country no fucking really. way 
It, it's it's not. <laughs> we curse too fucking much. It's <laughs> not. They bleep them out, Jared. <laughs> uh, we're part can, of. We're part of. We're part of NPR after dark. <laughs> <laughs> That's where your local radio station, <laughs> your local NPR station, the voices go even lower. <laughs> so there are no pledge drives. No it's, mercy. It's, it's what they call it's what they call NPR. <laughs> no pledge drives, no mercy. <laughs> we pledge to drive harder. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway oh boy uh jason e kyle k-e-i-l on on twitter and instagram over there and ltd underscore engagement on the twitters for jared um removed the underscore carefully um because it's warm ever uh, so carefully you be tender <laughs> with that underscore yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, oh, no, 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 wait, before I forget my train of thought. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, it, it, it just, it occurred to me as we were talking because you know what I long had a problem with and I'm, and I'm going to tie this all together. So just stick with me. Okay. I'm ready. I have long been incensed by. Uh, the conceit of how I met your mother. Because there's no way that over the course of those, you know, the the, the length of, of time, the nine years basically that the, that it takes to for for that what's his name Ted to explain yeah. uh, that. Uh, to to uh, relay the story of how he met the, their mother, there's no way that that guy uh, becomes the dad from Full House. Why can't I suddenly think of his name? Bob Saget. Bob Saget. Thank you. Why that name escaped me, I don't know. It's it's because I, I'm incensed by the whole idea. It just it it I'm so befuddled by it that. Uh, I'm sorry, but age does not make you become somebody else entirely. You do not go from being uh, that guy. Uh, was it Josh Radford or something like that? Josh. Oh, Radner. Josh Radner. Radner. Yeah. You do not go from being Josh Radner to Bob Saget. It just doesn't happen. No. Which made me I... think that an even bigger problem is that you do not go from being Hayden Christensen to being James Earl Jones. Well, no. There's there's a lot going on there. <laughs> um, just, it's a very tenuous link, but it's there. It's connected. I'm telling you, the tissue, the connective tissue, is there. Uh, you yeah. just you don't. Uh, I you know I I guess I don't know. It's you can say it's the voice box or whatever of uh, of the Darth Vader helmet, but yeah. I'm sorry, you don't go from being some uh, very uh, whiny, skinny white kid to being the voice of CNN. <laughs> no, um, no uh, you don't. But um, you know what? As I tell my son often, 
it's a movie. <laughs> oh. Uh, the fact that I want Paddington, realism from my science fiction. The fact that Paddington can talk and eat and make marmalade sandwiches, I have to remind him, it's a movie. So, it's a movie. I somehow find that more believable. Yeah. Um, it's, well, yeah. Um, but um, I, uh, going back to Star Wars Episode One, um, it we did um, watch the Duel of the Fates, um, the Qui-Gon, Jinn, Obi-Wan, Darth Maul. That's actually a good scene. I think it's probably the best oh, scene yeah. in the film. And just seeing like the eyes on my oldest kid's face just get so wide. Um just being amazed by it all. I mean, mm-hmm. it's pretty um uh it was pretty fun to watch. Um especially I I just really enjoyed it. Um just watching sometimes watching things through my son's eyes. Um so I it, I kind of have this appreciation for episode 1 now a little bit, but not really cuz I'm going to make one more point and then and then get back to my my larger conversation yeah. about Klosterman. But the uh, while I well as I said I think that scene is the best in the film. It's also uh not only is it unforgivable for uh for inflicting Jar Jar on the world but for also like squandering the Qui-Gon character. You, you got Liam Neeson mm-hmm. out of the universe in the first film and freaking Darth Maul. You get like yeah. almost no Darth Maul and then, and then he's chopped in half. Now I know that mm-hmm. he's back in the cartoons or whatever. Um, like in the, in the star Wars universe, he survives and I don't know, mm-hmm. has some mechanical legs or something like that. But still, I mean, you, 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 killed two of the most interesting characters in the first film of the trilogy That's... i mean point taken but uh you you say you know it's unforgivable that he inflicted jar jar uh lucas inflicted jar jar upon the public um while i agree yeah. that jar jar is not a redeemable character you act as if though he's the 45th president of the United States. And I only think about this because we're recording this on inauguration day. Like <laughs> Jar Jar did not cause me enough stress as, you know, a certain. I, I, I actually, you know, if we're making comparisons, I would have been happier over the last four, four years, uh, the four, last four, four years, the last four years, if we'd had Jar Jar as president. Yeah. Misa thinks so. <laughs> oh no, you didn't. Oh, I did. I did. Misa thinks that uh, I would have had Jar oh, Jar Binks Christ. for president. <laughs> no, you let me know Jar-Jar. now if you want me to edit that out. <laughs> nope. I, I'm keeping it in. <laughs> We're so, keeping but Klosterman, that in. right? Yeah, so Klosterman. So I was listening, and I think that we've probably talked about this before, so I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. Okay. <laughs> but this this idea is is brought up in in the conversation where he's talking about like how like recent some things feel as you get older. 
he gave like an example of of you know what's what's the like the oldest thing you remember that that still feels new to you and he gave an example of of like the strokes still feeling like a new band or mm-hmm. or 911 still feeling like it's a relatively new event and that these things are 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 old now you know like 20 years old or more in mm-hmm. in, in cases and you know I was thinking about this and as this was a, as I was uh, on my run this morning and like the fir- one of the first things to pop into my head is uh is the first Counting Crows album <laughs> August and Everything After came out in 1993 that still feels fresh to me and that thing is 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 over 25 years old it 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 could you know have voted in a couple of presidential elections already it uh it uh uh you know it 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 it's been able to drink for a few years uh <laughs> but it it still feels like something that came out like like just yesterday i like how i'm waiting for you to like drop this album and the album that you picked <laughs> Of all the albums you could have picked, of anything you could have picked, you pick the first, Crows. the first Counting Crows album. And Crows album. I don't. I, it's, it was the first thing to pop into my head. I don't know why. <laughs> um, it's funny, and it's funny too because um, uh, I recently became Facebook friends with a uh, with Adam Duritz. N- no, but it's funny. <laughs> No, um, with someone mildly famous who is friends with M. Duritz. And M. Duritz apparently comes as my uh, su- friend suggestions. like, And it's like real, like legit M. Duritz. <laughs> like among other like, you know, leads in 90s bands like Toad the Wet Sprocket. Like just random famous people to me come up in my friend suggestions That, that, on that would be Glenn Phillips, sir. Yes, I know. <laughs> I've interviewed Clint Phillips. <laughs> um, how, how was he? He seems like a delightful, delightful. He dream. was very nice to me. Uh, this was like at least like, God, like seventeen years ago. It had to be like just for like this small, like blog uh, that paid me nothing to do it. <laughs> um, that original run of of albums that that. That Toad the Wet Sprocket run, uh, I think is is fantastic. It's one oh. of the best runs of the of of the alternative age. Mm-hmm. And this semi-famous person uh, couldn't um, try to get them signed at the time. Uh, he knew uh, Glenn Phillips and the band, and mm. I think probably kind of crows at the one point too. And uh, he can't do it, um, but I just find it funny that ran- these random lead singers of '90s bands that I loved uh, are now popping up like in my friend request. I'm waiting for John Popper like any time from Police Traveler. But um, I, it's um, kind. It's just funny too. It's funny to me. And it's just funny to me that you picked Counting Crows because I could go, um, I could go back and forth with that band. Uh, I, I I do like there are days that I like them, and then there are days where I 
just thought like that song was everywhere and oh um, mr jones yeah like mr jones is everywhere but i, I mean i i still i think their first three albums are fantastic mm-hmm. well yeah i mean and rain king is great mm-hmm. uh round here is great Yep. Uh, there's stuff mm-hmm. off of the second album. I think some of it's even better than the first album. Uh, no, I, I would December. concur with that. I, I would concur with that. I, I'm not. Uh, so I'm not trying to um, knock your choice or anything. I just, you know, I'm not making fun of you for liking kind crows or anything here. I didn't I mean, feel attacked. I'm just. I'm just. No, scared. no. I, now, I'm if you picked truth bombs. In the bl- now, if you picked it. If you put two in the blowfish, I would. <laughs> it would have been entirely. I would have canceled Sorry. myself. <laughs> um, but uh, the no, inexplicable um, success of that, I, I don't know. But no, nineties man. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it, fun. But it's funny still- is that the. Like you mentioned, the strokes or Klosterman mentions the strokes in that essay. I assume, and it's funny. Like they still feel new to me. Um, and yeah, I've they're old enough now where they have books written about them, like right. as in past tense, where there's like articles about. Well, I mean, their first Wild album Nights came with out. David Cross with them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. their but, their first album came out about twenty years ago, right? Uh yeah, oh one. Yeah, yeah, it came out in 01. I remember, like, that it was, came out, like, on 9-11. Like, the day, mm. like, it was, yeah. And, um, because I was so desperate to listen to that CD, there had been so much hype around it. You know what's interesting? And, th- okay, so this is, this actually leads to my larger point. Mm-hmm. Because the, the idea, you know, one of the things that he was talking about is, is that, you know, is it being like as you get older, it being more difficult to get into new things, and to you know that at what point, even as a as as a, a you know connoisseur of culture, if you will, uh, is it okay to just kind of let that go and be you know and live comfortably in 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 your zone, uh, mm-hmm. and. What I remember, what I was really, really excited about was that Bob Dylan's Love and Theft came out that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my, what I was most excited about listening to. I didn't, I didn't really know of the Strokes. I didn't really, I mean, I, I think I'd heard about them a little bit because um, critics were pushing them and mm-hmm. there was some excitement around them. Uh, but I was like, oh, I want to hear this follow-up to to uh to time out of mind Mm because it was it was the first album post that and uh this this whole thing kind of put me into a larger spiral of as i was listening to this of i i first of all my tastes obviously my tastes have always been older you know when i was in middle school and high school i was getting into springsteen and squeeze and elvis costello and dylan and all these people uh you know, and while I was still occasionally listening to some contemporary stuff, uh, it, it, those were the outliers. And uh, you know, so my my tastes have always kind of leaned a little older. I mean, not none of these people that I just named were 
on any of the radio stations in Phoenix, really, when I was, uh, when I was you know, developing my musical tastes. And uh, so I had kind of like never really been concerned with staying uh, current with, 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 with scenes and, and, you know, I wasn't really getting in, jumping into grunge when that happened. And I wasn't jumping into, uh, you know, metal as that was really taking off. And, um, and now, you know, there was, but then there was a long time where I was really paying attention to, to brand new artists that were coming out, you know, underground stuff and, you know, trawling for reviews and, and checking things out. And I find that now again, uh, I, it's, those are the exceptions. And I really lean very heavily on this, the stuff that I've always listened to or going back and finding even older stuff. Mm -hmm. No, I, I'm, I'm kind of the same way now. Um, to the point where like, I'm, I, I realize that I've listened. Well, like I think I mentioned it like a couple weeks ago, like like Apple Music now like uh, like compiles the most the stuff you've listened to the most, um, and mm -hmm. a um, like in a year and puts them on a playlist like Spotify does. Um, and I realize that like they're kind of the same, <laughs> um, and I've. Worked, I'm working this year to get out of that rut um, because I can only listen to Yacht Rock um, and Spoon so many times. Um, <laughs> um, and it's funny as I was listening, um, I was listening to the Dan, some of the Daniel Lanois interview on on, on Marin mm -hmm. on on Monday. It's a great interview. I I haven't listened to all of it yet, but I got to the part where. Um, they started talking about uh, John Hassel, mm -hmm. and as soon as I got home uh, from like listening to that, I looked up. I, I started looking up John Hassel, and I'm just listening to it, and it's blowing my fucking mind. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I didn't have like any of by experiences as Marin <laughs> describes. <laughs> um, but. It's like this jazz electronic hybrid music. It's just so out there and bizarre and great and wonderful. I could just add to the point where like I I want more. I haven't been hooked like that on something for a while. Um, uh, I mean, it sounded really interesting. I'm gonna have to check it out. Uh, I, I didn't yeah. jump into any of the stuff that they really talked about, and mm -hmm. you know, I haven't. I I've never really dive deep into Eno's work either. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm more familiar with his work with, you know, as a producer or, or with um, Roxy Music. And I, I haven't, you know, I haven't even really listened to any of Daniel Lanois stuff. I've, I've really only mm -hmm. known of him as a, as a producer as well. So mm -hmm. that, that kind of, but again, you know, going back to kind of listen to some of that stuff, none of that's none of that's new, though. I mean, I guess it's it yeah. would be new to me <laughs> having not listened to it before. But well, side note, I did enjoy the story about or the the revelation that uh, 
of the of of the overdubs on the Neil Young Lenoise. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, how did how did Neil not know that? <laughs> he might know now if he listens to if he listens to <laughs> Like how did Neil not know that? Like I'm not even like on that level and like I've listened to the album a couple of times and I'm like that, yeah, album, that album's great though, but I, I mean if you didn't Yeah, know I like it. it if you didn't know it, it does sound like it's all pretty much, you know, one or, or one, one guitar or one manipulated guitar. I, I um, thought it was manipulated the whole time. Like I, but I didn't yeah. care. Um, but I, um, yeah, I just, um, I, I, I started listening to John Hassel and I just was like, I couldn't stop listening to it. And like, as soon as like half an hour later, I'm all done. I just wanted more. I couldn't believe it. I had not been hooked on something like that in a long time. And yeah, it's like, um, and even, <laughs> even today, um, you're, um, so the number one song in America when we're listening to, uh, when we're recording this, mm-hmm. it's a song called driver's license. Have you heard of this? No. Um, so it's, by someone, um, I'm, I'm, I got pulled up again. Um, Olivia Rodrigo. Um, she is like uh, um, 17 years old, and she's like a Disney star. She's on like a Disney Plus's High School Musical show, mm-hmm. and but it's just like really um, heartfelt breakup song um with a with a cuss word in it which is like surprising mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just bam <laughs> um and it's just this really great song and i just was like i i wish they would make it's sort of like in the taylor swift type vein sort of thing just she's driving she got her driver's license and she's going through the suburbs and uh she realizes she's still in love with uh the boy who broke up with her um, and it breaks her and it hurts her heart. <laughs> and I know I'm just the story behind it is just like of the song which I read like in the New York Times this morning. That's what made me want to listen to the song. Uh, it's just add this whole new dimension to it. I've listened to it like five times today. It's so good. <laughs> like it's the type of stuff that Rob Sheffield like writes about on a regular basis, and it's like my new favorite song. <laughs> like. It's in the complete opposite of the John Hassel I've been like listening to like all week. <laughs> sure, yeah, uh, it made me feel in tune to what the kids are listening to nowadays. <laughs> but but I mean that's kind of that's the sort of the larger point that I'm driving at, right? Is yeah, that it 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 there's there's this sort of um, and you know music is just one aspect of it, but to because he was equating it with other things as well he was talking about like um you know that there there will be you'll get to a point where there will be some new thing that you're just like you know what i'm not it's 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 just i don't i don't need to learn that uh Mm -hmm. you know it brought up the the uh example of snapchat and I I I am right there where there with him. I I never got into Snapchat. I just didn't didn't care to add something new. Uh and and also, I mean same thing with TikTok. I just I I I 
I'm like, why do I need all these things now? Uh, yeah. And I, it's, I, I guess it's it, it kind of a, a thing of diminishing returns, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, also as, as time goes on, the less and less, you know, I, I, less and less interested I am in engaging in social media anyway. Yeah. And so the idea of learning something new, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm actively pulling away from the things that I was involved in. So it's, mm. you know, and for one of the, one of the, uh, really the first years I can think of, because I, I don't know how you do at the, at the end of the year, but I've, I've always, I've always like pulled up year end best of lists. Uh, mm-hmm. it used to be that I would always, you know, I would buy certain magazines. I would buy Q and I would usually the British ones. So I'd get Q and uncut and Mojo, but I would also look at, at spin and magnet and, and, you know, various music publications to see their year end best ofs. Um, very much less and less frequently Rolling Stone because Rolling Stones were always, I thought, pretty predictable. Any and wow. and I preface this by obviously being a diehard Bruce Springsteen fan, but you know that any year Bruce Springsteen releases an album, his album is if not number one going to be in the top five of the year. Well, and, you, side note, like when Jan Wenner was still like editor and publisher of that magazine, mm-hmm. I think he made U two like a, the new U two album, like the number one album that year. I think it was like three four years ago, uh-huh. and it was controversial because it was nowhere near like being U2's best work. And it was pretty clear because I think he's the one who wrote the entry on it. And he just put it up there because he's like, loves the band. Like, like dude, like, like I love you too, as much as the next guy, but oh, I love you too, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh. You know, Ba-doom. for someone who's childless, you sure do have a lot of dad jokes. Uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm okay with it. I, it's, it's just, they, they tickle the funny bone for me. What can I say? <laughs> uh, but I've, I've also been telling those jokes since I was a kid. Uh, yeah. Now, <laughs> but, you know, so, so I, I, I will listen, you know, or I'll, 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 I'll check out NPR's year-end list usually. Mm-hmm. And I will check out Pitchfork's list. And, you know, this this last year, I went to all of these places. And, you know, I saw a lot of my favorite albums were already in the list. And then, so what I'll do is just in case I have missed something that I really uh, think I would dig, I'll kind of like go through and check out the albums that I hadn't heard of. And this is probably the first year where I went through those lists and I did not find anything that I, I felt that I needed to add to my collection. Yeah. I, I stopped doing that. I used to, I used to just like anything that was like, I used to like new year's day or the day after I would go through the list, find out what I hadn't listened to and just, um, like download it or you know you know because this was like the age of napster Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
I would just listen and, you know, or try to find some way to listen to it. And now I just like, but I'm at the point now, like you said, where I just, I'm going to like what I like. But I mean, it was no surprise to me that nearly everyone picked Fetch the Bolt Cutters as their number one record. That was already, that was already predetermined back in March or it's, April. It's a it fucking amazing out. album. I mean, and that was, oh, yeah. so, you know, so there, there, as usual, there were a handful of things I had on there that, that I already had. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, then to, to kind of go and check out some of the other things, I, I don't know. I, I, I finally, you know, uh, I, I've talked about this on our previous podcast that I've kind of like been going through and weeding out some of the, the CDs and things that, that I have had sitting in my collection for a long time that, that I just don't listen to anymore and that I may have liked at the time but don't really dig anymore. And I, f- I find that, um, you know, that I'm, I'm really consolidating a lot of things down and my tastes are becoming, uh, you know, at one time, you know, at, at, at it's like simultaneously I, I have a very eclectic taste, but there are a lot of outlying things that I'm just like, eh, you know, it's just, it's like I figured out what kind of jazz I like. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I very much like, you know, fifties and sixties, uh, uh, you know, hard bop, bebop, uh, cool jazz, uh, and, and even some of the experimental stuff, like I love Ornette Coleman. Uh, I, I love a lot of the, the more avant-garde. No. I'm embarrassed that you even said those words. I'm embarrassed for you that you said those words. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, but I, 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 and I don't know how much of it, is you know it it happens with books and with films too it's like when you're of a certain type of 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 uh like i don't know devourer of culture most it, it falls under pretension for most people i guess uh, it seems like there are things that you add to or you try to to get into because um, of of I, I don't thinking that you should be into them. You know, like there's mm-hmm. a lot of the really experimental out there kind of noise jazz or some of the the, the fusion um, that I was like, oh, this is this is great. And really, if I think about it, it's like no, it wasn't really great. I didn't, I didn't love it. I didn't dig it that much. It was that I thought I should dig it. That I thought I was missing something. Uh, that that it was, it was intellectually imperative that I enjoy this stuff, even though it it did nothing uh, to move me in any way or or connect with me in any way. And I don't know. It's it's like. How receptive, like I, right now I feel like I'm the, the most receptive to new ideas that, uh, that I ever have been. And at the same time, I'm also, uh, like, um, I don't know, kind of like consolidating things down to 
a core essence of what of of, of uh like so philosophically um intellectually theologically i'm much more voracious and open to different things where from a an artistic standpoint like a a, a culture standpoint or uh, art wise i keep finding myself going back to the things that bring me comfort in mm. some way or another well i to respond to your um um your uh first several things that you mentioned there um i think one of the reasons why maybe finding new music isn't such a priority is because they're for the last I hate to once again refer back to the last four years, but for the last four years, there's been a lot more important things going on than finding new art. <laughs> like there are bigger causes, bigger things to be a part of. And maybe that is taking up, that takes up your, our time. Uh, would you not agree? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's become, I think much more imperative to, to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, vigilant and, uh, <laughs> well, as far as like maintaining an awareness of, of what's going on, uh, you know, on a social justice basis on, mm-hmm. on, uh, 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 you know, social science basis. I think that's, that's, um, because, <laughs> The it, it, it's been a dumpster fire for the last four years mm-hmm. that it's uh, well even it on has, the non-political spectrum you've uh, worked to um, build a publishing powerhouse slash three time winner of the best cultural podcast award uh, via New Times for your previous and much beloved uh flagship broadcast limited engagement um and so i mean i mean yes mel platypus while it's a step down i, I mean <laughs> yeah. i disagree for you <laughs> uh yeah i disagree i think it's it's you know but uh but i mean you've been focused on other things in your life you don't and you probably don't want to work so hard to find something you connect with because you've found other passions well, I, I think, and so, so kind of stay with me on this idea, right? Because there's this okay. idea of, of obsolescence, right? I, mm-hmm. I, as, as I was kind of starting to get into. And there's, there's a kind of, a kind of, uh, like an idea with, with technology of, of, of planned obsolescence, right? Mm-hmm. Like things are made with the idea that they won't last as long so that you'll get the new thing. And I kind of have, have, I, you know, today, maybe because I'm going through, uh, you know, multiple existential crises, I was thinking about how that applies to humanity. That, you know, that, that in the large picture, I think that humanity has a shelf life. Uh, and I think that we have gone a long way as a species to expediting uh the 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 end of humanity um and 
but that there's also this this natural component to it that you and I, you know, were being relatively the same age. And and if you look at the way that that kind of technology speeds up, like the advancements of technology have sped up, it, it seems like much like the gap between between advancements uh, has has shortened. Um, and it seems like humanity should kind of reflect that, that there's a point at which you and I kind of need to get out of the way for newer voices and for, mm-hmm. uh, for people, for other people to be heard, for other people to, uh, to influence, uh, you know, taste and to, to attempt to, to shape minds to, 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 you know, to, uh, you know, have have their cultural footprint, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, and that kind of goes to this podcast too, because you know, for for the last five plus years, you know, I've been doing the the interview podcast with limited engagement and um, being like the primary voice on these podcasts. And to be honest, you know. I'm sure nobody else feels this way because I'm an immensely likable guy, but uh, you know I'm kind of sick of hearing myself talk about everything too. Like my, I want to hear opinions other than my own, and right. you know as we've discussed, that's the plan with this podcast is to kind of give platform to to have other voices contributing uh, to to this sort of arts and culture conglomerate. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's that's something that I'm much more excited by. I I think that that it's mm-hmm. that it's okay for me to not feel like I have to stay up on everything and always be discovering something new because you know what? Let somebody else's opinions have a go. <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> it's funny. Um, yeah, um, I I do like listening to other people's opinions on things um because um it's funny the other reason why i wrote down uh why you're kind of getting in the rut is because um we're in a pandemic and you find uh, uh you you realize that you don't have to impress girls anymore <laughs> <laughs> with your taste <laughs> and you realize and if there's anything the pandemic has taught us, it's it's not what people like anymore. It's what they are like, Jared. It's the complete opposite of the Rob uh, <laughs> and from High Fidelity. Thing. I don't know uh, what I what I like is still very important to me though. And, and well, yeah, what, it should you be. Know, uh, my tastes are very much a part of my an extension of my personality. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I, I you're right. I don't feel like I need to impress anybody with them. If they if if you know, it's I like what I like. And this stuff matters to me. The music matters to me. The the you know the the films I like matter to me. All of these things matter to me very much. They don't matter to mm-hmm. me any less than they did when I was thirteen. Mm-hmm. It's it's just that you know some of it's become less precious. And and what um, you know what other people think about it is not going to have any bearing on my enjoyment. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say, 
you know, you've got to listen to this. You must, you must, uh, you know, you must, you, you don't like, uh, uh, I don't know, your favorite Bob Dylan album isn't Blood on the Tracks. What the fuck is wrong with you? No, because it's fucking blonde on blonde. God, are you nuts? Okay, first of all, you're wrong. Um, second of all, no, but see, that's exactly what I'm saying. Motherfucker, don't tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> if if your favorite if your favorite Bob Dylan album is is Blonde on Blonde, that's fine. I don't care. But my favorite is Blood on the Tracks. That's I, I think it's a gorgeous album. Uh, you know, there there are are, are are parts of it that that make me tear up. And you know what? Um, I I think Time Out of Mind is a is a fine album as well. Yeah, it's just great. I, it's, I, it's amazing. I mean, you can't like. <laughs> Even the Christmas album doesn't suck. <laughs> and, like, well, but you know this, this, this. I don't know. I, I, I want to get back to what you were you were saying, but this it bothered me this year that I saw. I you know what I like the new Dylan album. I think it's fine. It's a great work from a somebody who is you know he's what like fucking eighty years old or something close to it. Yeah, and. The new Springsteen album is fine. It has some some great moments on it. I did not think either of those albums deserved to be in the top ten albums for the year. Um, and I, you know, I I really I thought there were some great moments on the new McCartney album, but it's just it's more McCartney. It's it's fine. It's mm-hmm. you know, I, I I don't know. We have this this kind of there's still. And I think it extends to some of the problems we're having on a socio-political level with people like really trying to hang on to their way of life and what makes um, what makes sense to them that they're scared of 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 losing their way of life or whatever instead of instead of being able to embrace everybody being able to you know, live their way of life and, and everybody, I don't know, more voices are, are, are better. I think that the motivation behind some of the problems that we're having on this, on that level are kind of mirrored by that we see in these, uh, in these uh, critical voices and, and, you know, putting these artists on a pedestal and saying that, you know, First of all, lists are meaningless anyway. Um, it's just they're all just subjective made to disagree and a with of opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I guess so. But I don't know. I think it's all it's all kind of intertwined. It's the same reticence to to. I, I don't know. I've talked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, I I know how I followed this. Like, uh, <laughs> I know I. I just, just um, I thought it was an interesting idea, and and I was kind of curious as to where you felt you were at this point. You know, having, mm. you know, being somebody who, you know, has had to as a writer had to have their their finger on the on the pulse of culture for a long time yeah and i and i still do to a degree but i mean i even like i'm 
I'm still pitching things about things that happened 20, 30 years ago when I was more emotionally engaged with what I was consuming. Um, when it had, when I felt like it had more meaning to me, like, uh, like I pitched this idea about a festival I went to, um, that was so like ahead of its time and, uh, that is gone now. Um, and it's Lollapalooza, be- isn't it? No, it's not. <laughs> it's actually not. Just kidding. <laughs> Though I've been to Lollapalooza, thanks. And it's also gone now. Um, well, the traveling one is I went to the Chicago one for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I think to your point, like, yeah, like technology is, um, like I have no need for a TikTok. Uh, people have told me otherwise. Um, <laughs> like, but I, I'm, I'm not going to sign up for TikTok. Like what, what's the point? Uh, I, I don't well, know the I, point maybe for us to have our dancing videos on there. Well, no, and actually, I, I've been on TikTok <laughs> recently because I'm researching something, but I have not signed up for an account yet. Um, and there's this other thing coming out, like where your other social thing coming out now, where the business people are hooked on. It's not LinkedIn; it's something else, and I, it, it's so unimportant to me that I just don't, you know, mm-hmm. I don't even know its name. I, I just. And I'm becoming more disconnected with social media. I, I barely post on Facebook anymore, let alone Twitter. And if I do on Twitter, it's just to retweet something about Paul Reiser's birthday or, <laughs> uh, or yeah, sure, right, yeah. Um, I don't feel I don't have this incessant need to share what I'm doing it, like what I'm listening to, what I'm watching at every moment of the day because at, at the end of the day you no know, someone isn't going to influence what someone else is watching listening to mm-hmm. nothing that's ever i wanted to do anyway um i just want to kind of share what i like um i don't know where i'm exactly going with this but to at the same time and to even though i may have the whole thing about well i kind of made fun of you about not having any girls to impress so you don't have to <laughs> seem like you're like cool <laughs> with the I've band never I've never do. been terribly concerned about whether or not I was cool it's kind of beyond my control <laughs> uh, <laughs> I accepted this a long time ago uh, okay see well, earlier dad joke <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but um and with Though, like, my job at one point was being on the finger of the pulse of everything. Um, like, I, on top of that, I had, I, I'm raising two kids, I'm making dinner, I like doing all these things that I, I just, I don't want to put so much work into it. Like, I want to, like, we, I want the algorithm to choose shit for me. <laughs> um, uh, and but the shit that the algorithm is choosing is always goes back to um a the fix and Gary Newman uh and I'm trying really hard to break out of that um yeah trying to go back to that person who <clears throat> um 
find something in a record store that with art that appeal that looks really cool. Um, and being See, blown I'm, away I'm by something. Being okay with getting away from that though, because I don't feel like I have the time anymore if I walk out with the album with the cool cover and I get it home and I spend the time listening to it and I fucking hate it. That's time I'm never going to get back. But I'll tell you something. When I was like, I, I get so, I was so, and I'm not so much anymore, but I was so, in, um, my inbox was so clogged with PR emails, like saying that so and such and such band is the next big thing. Mm-hmm. Check out this video by such and such a band. Um, and like I've, or I always go back to, um, I back to that time with the strokes and the white stripes and all these bands that were heralded as the return of rock and roll or like, um, which is like this thing that gets recycled every decade, probably even more so often now. Um, I got tired. I, I just get tired of that rock and roll isn't going anywhere. You know, like, <laughs> well, inevitably um, it's all recycled from something else too. It's like, I, mm-hmm. I you know, so one of my favorite albums from last year was by an artist, a new artist. Uh, her name is S.G. Goodman. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I like that album. That, yeah. The album's fantastic. It's great, mm-hmm. but it's also very much, uh, in a similar vein to like Nico case, who was also, you know, scratched that uh that patsy kleinich you know mm-hmm. who also it's like it's mm-hmm. I, I i like i like kevin morby who's mm-hmm. you know relatively recent artist but you know i like him because it kind of reminds me of the first cotton jones album uh mm-hmm. you know it, it it's it's all stuff that's kind of that's kind of been done like i i yeah. I think Phoebe Bridgers is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love her work. Uh, Soccer Mommy is great. There, you know, these relatively new artists that I think are doing great work. But you know what? I realize but, that the things that I like about their music is not too dissimilar from stuff that I already like. I think. I think for me, I'm really getting sick of. I guess going back to my point about like my emails and everything. Like I'm to the point now where like I'm sick of. I guess I just. I don't want to be, I want to go back to that sense of discovery. Mm-hmm. I don't want some PR person or some pitchfork writer or someone just telling me that this is the best thing that they've ever heard. I want to discover it for myself. Um, like the last, I think the last band that that's ever happened to me with is probably of Montreal. Like I saw the cover art of hissing fauna. Are you the destroyer? And I just picked it up because I liked the cal the art. I put it on a CD player and my cavalier. And I just fell in love with it right away. Just discovered it on my own. Um, and can, and I've been a fan for life since that point. And I just missed that. Um, well, but you know, you don't have that anymore. Like the discovery's gone away. Sort of. 
I, it's it's certainly been on hold. You mm-hmm. know, I, I I think that you know that that band that I mentioned last week, uh, mm-hmm. which I listened to, it was great. I, it's fantastic. I, I, their their new album is 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 fantastic. I, mm-hmm. I can't enthuse about it enough. But you know what? I discovered I, I discovered them by having gone to a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I they I, I like I said I went to see um, Tweety and uh, heard about Seema Cunningham and checked out her band. I was like, this is great. And I, you know, thinking a lot of the the newer music that I really love has been from going and seeing the opening bands uh, mm-hmm. for shows that don't exist anymore, you know, and won't for at least another few months, uh, mm-hmm. if if not for the rest of the year. That that avenue of of um, going and discovering a new band is 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 kind of gone right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I think poptimism, like what is called "quote unquote" poptimism, has sort of just like de- destroyed discovery anyway. Not to mention, like we don't even buy albums anymore. What is we, poptimism? Oh, so that means that um, it goes back to this whole. I, I subscribe to it to a degree, but it's pretty much saying like people are going to like what they like, mm. um, and you are um, you are wrong for telling someone that they can't like this. Oh um, well, yeah. Absolutely. So, um so that Unless kind of started, and the blowfish. No, it's <laughs> Bon Jovi dude. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of started with Taylor Swift because she um when in the beginning of her career she was not seen as someone who was cool to like. And now she's, you know, obviously the biggest, you know, the biggest star in in the world. Um, But, I mean, it's, but enough people, like, got, liked her for who she was because she was authentic. And that they just said, I don't care what you say, Rolling Stone. I'm just going to like it. And Mm -hmm. I think eventually what happened is, like, Places like Pitchfork kind of took notice and they've kind of toned down like the bite of their reviews. Like they've destroyed the luster bangs of the world. They've destroyed, um, they've let criticism, uh, criticism isn't even like an issue anymore. You don't like, there's no need for it. Um, because poptimism destroyed it because I mean, no one can. No one wants to offer their opinion because of you they know, don't want to see is hating something that someone else loves and thinks is precious. I wonder. I wonder because you know this kind of goes back to what I was talking about near the top of the show with with having taste in music that that just. This certainly was not um, like the thing uh, to be into at the point that I was, uh, and mm-hmm. even some some things that have that I love that have never been terribly popular. You brought up Billy Joel. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's never been something that's been. 
ter- terribly popular to be a fan of, uh, at least throughout my youth, and and no. continuing now into adulthood, uh, and 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 middle age. It's you know and and you know I I was a, a big fan of John Mellencamp growing up too, and I you know it's. I, I I guess I think about how much of the stuff that I love that's so meaningful to me that I have you know had to spend a lot of time uh, uh, like defending over the years, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, because you know it, sure I I I like you know to go back to that earlier example I like the Strokes um, yeah you know as I, you should that new album is great by the way I I I was on board when like. Neutral Milk Hotel hit and things like the Decemberists and stuff that was supposed to be cool to like. Um, but you know, I also, like I said, dug a lot of stuff that just wasn't terribly cool. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know, just as, as we're kind of like winding down on this, this whole conversation, it's, it's, I, I think I'm actually kind of comforted by this idea of 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 obsolescence that that it's time to you know kind of move out of the way and let somebody else do all the the work of staying up on every new thing that comes out and mm-hmm. cuz then I do I find I find some of these things organically and I find that uh, you know that a lot of the things that I that I find myself getting into are extensions of things that I've been enjoying for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, you know, I, I still do find myself getting into, into things that are new to me, but it may not necessarily be, you know, what's, what's being lauded in, we keep harping on pitchfork, but I'm going to use them again. Like what's being lauded in pitchfork. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and I just I I think that's okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I I I I think that when you kind of embrace that, it it takes a lot of the pressure off, mm-hmm. and you can just get you know you can just get on with uh, with being comfortable. Mm-hmm. I it's it's funny you. Pitchfork is probably the one place you could probably go to to to, to actually find new music, whereas uh, its competitor Stereo Gum uh, likes to think that they're finding your f- new favorite artists, but all they do is talk about what album turned twenty years old, right? <laughs> like this week, um, and um, and just to warn you, uh, there already been like three. Uh, in the movie front, there have already been three, like, Donnie Darko turns 20 this year <laughs> <laughs> articles I've seen. I'm like, uh, like, uh, which, by the way, the one in The Ringer is pretty good. It's an oral history. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, but I mean, you like what you like, I guess. <laughs> like, I just, um, I just... I personally just want to feel like I can discover something again. I don't want something. I think after years of PR and algorithms and everything, just telling me that this is, this is the greatest thing. This person is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then just listening to it and just 
thinking that no sliced bread's pretty you know i i still like sliced bread uh, <laughs> um <laughs> um i can i i i do want something to discover i just want to discover something different um and i'm thinking like um like how i used to go to festivals and that's how i discovered tune yards and just these just these amazing bands that like i i've loved like i love now or um just because i've discovered them all on my own um i didn't have something being i think people know when something's being shoved down their throat you know mm-hmm. and uh, i it's the mystery's gone now i guess i I'm all for moving out of the way, but I also just want I want things to organically happen again. I, I don't want to. And that kind of happened with, with Marin talking with Lanois. Like, that's why John Hassel is like my new, yeah. <laughs> like my new favorite persons is Marin and Lanois are talking about it. I'm like describing it about these wire sounds. And I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, that seems interesting and new. And then, and it was, I was just come like, it just made me stop and like, Oh damn, this is, this is great. <laughs> like, um, so, um, that actually was going to be my recommendation this week. Was just well, the- let's, let's do that then. Let's wrap up with our recommendations. <laughs> And uh, yeah. why why do you want to recommend the John Hassel? Because it's um like it's it's not like it's in, highly influential, but um like of the one that of the ones that I listen to, um I probably enjoyed uh give me a moment um I enjoyed Earthquake Island the most um. Okay. And I don't think it's it's definitely not. I don't think it's the one one of the land ones that Lanwell was working on. Uh, Lanwell was working on, but just it's tribal and it's jazzy and it's um, it just melds all these sound like all this world of sound that I just I I can't even begin to describe it. It's um, maybe it's it's definitely. If um, if David Byrne had taken LSD <laughs> before working on Remain in Light, it mm. probably would be the um, kind of be more of like what this album is. Um, but um, it's what year it, did that come out? That one came out in uh. That one came out, I believe, in 78. I'm not going in any particular order. Like, I'm just kind of like... You're just checking out a Zoov? Yeah, I, I was trying to find, like, trying... I don't remember... I didn't remember which one that Lanois Lan was talking about they worked on. Like, and the, I haven't even listened to that one yet. Anyway, it was like... Um, but I just kind of went... Um, I just went with the one that looked the most interesting to me and earthquake island was the one and and it's just i don't know dude it's just i it's blowing your it's mind like, is what it sounds yeah like. it's 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 i mean i can see marin having i can see aaron or anyone else 
having an odd by experience just listening to it. It is something that someone would listen to in their um it is saying that someone would listen to in their college dorm room after they got tired of listening to King Crimson. Huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, what's like the trippiest shit you can find me uh, you know, <laughs> at the record store? I'm like, you ever heard John Hassel? Yeah. <laughs> Do that to me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, it's pretty, like, it's just, it's out there. And, like it's made the year I was born. It sounds like something. Um, it's it, it's like Pierre Gabriel doing a soundtrack to a drug trip, man. It's, huh. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Like I can see like why, and I can see like why Lanois was attracted to it. Um, mm. It's definitely um, it's definitely something that he was kind of doing with those Pierre Gabriel albums and uh, with. Uh, um, definitely with some uh, some of those wacky U two albums too, uh, but that that was my recommendation. Uh, if we hadn't, uh, if I didn't think I'd be bringing it up today, but yeah, that that shit's been blowing my mind, dude. You know, so. I I I'm bringing a few recommendations in, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about any of them. It's going to kind of mm-hmm. go rapid fire, I guess. Or as rapid fire as I can go. So I, I did watch WandaVision, the first two episodes yeah. that landed. I, I haven't read any of the response to it. I haven't, you know, I haven't read any articles on it, anything like that. And just from having watched it the one time through the two episodes, I think it's fucking genius. Yeah, uh, I, I I love what they're doing. It's it's one of the trippiest things that I've seen. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. where it falls into the larger context of the MCU, but I mean, it's it's just great. Um, Catherine Hahn as the as the nosy neighbor like lady, and <laughs> who always talks about her 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 husband, who who is not seen. <laughs> it's just it's it's so great. I I, I if you have Disney Plus. Watch WandaVision. Uh, and next up, I binged all of the episodes of this podcast called Smartless. Okay. Have you heard of it at all? No. Tell me more. Okay. So Smartless is a podcast that's hosted by Sean Hayes, uh, Will Arnett, and Jason Bateman. Oh, okay. and it's uh, it is it's kind of an interview podcast, but it really ends up being more of a conversation podcast because the conceit of it is that each each week one of them invites a guest on that they don't that the other two don't know about until it's revealed on that episode. Okay. So two out of the three of them have no time to prepare any questions or anything like that because they don't know who it's going to be. And they've mm-hmm. had some really like they had like they had Kamala Harris on there. They had uh, Stacey Abrams on there. They've had um, the only one that I skipped that I got kind of bored by was some baseball player from the Dodgers. Oh, uh, you're talking about the one with um, uh, Clayton Kershaw? Yeah, uh, that's that's the only one I couldn't I couldn't really make it through. 
but because um, they were talking sports. But on the other hand, there was a there was one uh, with uh, with a hockey player on it that I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, and you know, it's I guess he's like the general manager of the Maple Leafs now, but he was a player in the eighties. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a Shanahan. Really, yeah, was it Brandon Shanahan? Yeah, yeah. So I, I I've enjoyed, it. and then of course you know they they've also had Brian Cranston and Martin Short, uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus I think is the is the one that just landed on this uh, this week, but it's a lot of fun. It's basically you know it's it's the three of them spend a good amount of time just busting each other's balls, and and then it's also you know it, it's 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 a good conversation with the guest. Um, so so I, I I enjoyed that podcast, and then this is going to come as no surprise to anybody. Uh, I'm going to recommend the new season of Mad About You. <laughs> it's I there, I so thoroughly enjoyed this new season. It's they managed to do something fantastic, which is maintain the feeling of a '90s sitcom while updating it um and just like i I don't you know i i mean i don't i I don't know i i thought it it felt very authentic man that was a fun three episodes (laughs) (laughs) of this podcast that was really great dude i mean (laughs) let me finish we had we had a hell of a run man (laughs) i'm telling you i'm not spending a ton of time on it and this is not a mad about you podcast (laughs) Let me have my fucking recommendation. <laughs> and and when and when you let your biases, you know, drop and just enjoy the show, then, you know, then you will realize uh I was right. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you something that I I'm, I'm probably going to get in a little trouble for. But <laughs> I I don't care. It's um I got. I'm getting ganged up on now with you, and now Kristen <laughs> are like, "Well, why don't you watch it? I mean, give it a chance." I'm like, "I did give it a chance 25 years ago. It wasn't funny." <laughs> You're uh, a different person. You're 25 years right. different. Seriously, you were like that's exactly what she was saying, and she was like, kind of like we're having like this like kind of fight but we weren't really fighting sort of thing and I'm just like and it got to the point where she's like you're just not gonna watch it because it means Jared wins I'm like yes <laughs> I I don't but care also, about it's not funny I don't I care found, about winning anymore but dude like I found friends funny like 30 years ago I thought it was funny I don't find it funny now like, yeah but you didn't. You just said you didn't think like the little bit of Mad About You that you saw twenty five years ago was funny. I think you might. No, and I don't think now. that's changed. Well, whatever. Again, I'm not. I'm not pushing you to watch it anymore. It's, I, I don't know. care about winning. I'm just saying. From for me, let me finish my recommendation here. Okay. I think that, especially as far as a reboot goes, there have been some really really terrible reboots. Uh, mm-hmm. Some shows that just never should have been brought back, and I was ready to feel that way about this new season. I was ready to be like, you know what? It is, you know, the last 
episode aired in 1999, so even it's it's 20 years beyond the final season. And uh, you know, I was like, I I, I don't. I, I was ready to I was ready to dislike it and to find that it didn't live up to the original. Um, and having just recently binged all the way through, I will freely admit that I think the last few seasons were not stellar. They did not compare to the first few seasons. Um, and this new season, I think, is as good as some of the early seasons. Uh, you know, for one, it's only 13 episodes. I don't feel like mm-hmm. there was any filler in it. It was great to see these people again. I think Paul Reiser has become a much better actor than he was in the original run. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see Helen Hunt. They kind of really, they, they really just seemed to effortlessly fall back into the dynamic of what I thought made them a cool couple in the original show. And they, I think that they do a really good job with the whole you know, idea being that now their daughter's going off to college and they're becoming empty nesters. And like what happens to uh, a marriage that has become defined by raising that child? You know, what do you, what do you do now? And how do you function as a couple? How do you click as a couple? Do you click as a couple? Um, And the exploration of that I thought was very compelling and well done and interesting without losing the feeling of it, of a sitcom. Um, I mean, they even go so far. It's it's multicam. It has an audience. Uh, you know that it, it it maintains a lot of that feeling. All of, you know, Richard Kind is back. You get um, uh, um, uh, you know, cousin Ira is back. Whoever that that actor was, and you get uh, uh, an appearance from shoot. Why can't I think of his name? Jeff Garland is back for a bit. You, you even get uh, a, a surprise mm-hmm. of Carol Burnett coming back for a little bit. It's, you know, so it, it it's it's like those, it, it was one of the last shows to have that kind of feeling of uh, you being excited to see somebody as they walk on screen. You know, that whether or not you had any enjoyment of that show and its original airing, it, it was, and, you know, granted some of the appearances are don't hold up and are kind of problematic specifically the Jerry Lewis um appearance I mean that that show had Jerry Lewis shows up uh, in the original yeah and he's in the first or second oh, in the, the fir- second oh, in season the... okay uh, yeah I mean but that's you know you would watch I remember when that was first airing being like oh that's Jerry Lewis that's cool. oh that's there's Stephen Wright oh there's uh you know Mel Brooks for for an arc there's Carl Reiner you know, Sid Caesar, uh, you know, these, you know, and then when Carol Burnett showed up and, and, uh, uh, Carol O'Connor was what, you know, Carol Burnett and Carol O'Connor played, uh, Helen Hunt's parents for, uh, you know, the, the latter half of the show. It's like, you know, it was the kind of thing where it was really cool to see somebody pop up on screen. And this, I, you know, I don't know, this kind of maintained the feeling of that, without seeming sterile um, and like it had lost, like it was trying to recapture um, it kind of, that's what I'm getting at is that it recaptured the feeling of the original show without feeling like it was trying to recapture the feeling of the original show. Well, I'm glad you liked it. There you go. 
we'll leave it at that. <laughs> it's on Amazon Prime for people who are who are interested, people who aren't Jason. Um, it's it's out there, and I and I, I highly recommend it. It's worth I, it's worth watching it. I tried coming up with more recommendations, but I I've been falling asleep uh, in the middle of uh, whatever. Think no, no, no. Like I was I was watching. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying that you were falling asleep in the middle of my talking about. No, me. no, no. I wasn't making fun of you. I, I'm for liking that awful show. Um, we've done that enough with our previous podcast. Uh, no, I don't uh, feel like I even need to try to convince you to watch it anymore because apparently Kristen's doing it for me. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> funny. It's one of my podcast wife uh, isn't giving me crap about my real wife is. Um, it's <laughs> that's why we're. Hey, you know what? I I get it's not for everybody. I happen to yeah. love that show, and right. and and I I enjoyed the the new season. I'm just yeah. saying. Um, well, I, I've been trying to watch more movies because I'm trying to change my letterbox, uh, make my letterbox 2021 year in review, uh, less dorm, uh, less college, uh, guy film student, uh, than it was in 2020 and my attempts to do so were met with, uh, naps on my couch, um. I tried watching One Night in Miami, and I just passed out from exhaustion uh, on Amazon Prime. And uh, I hear that one's good. I it was good for the hour I was awake for it. I, I really liked where it was going. Um, I liked the actors uh, who were playing uh, the actor who was playing Ali. I, I forget his name. Was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely ten times better than Will Smith uh, and that movie from a while back. Um, I really, I really was enjoying what I was seeing, but, uh, I didn't get a chance to finish it. Uh, so I'll, I'll go back and revisit and get back to you. Um, but, uh, I panicked, but, and also, um, I also would like to recommend, uh, the Buffalo bills, uh, to our audience. I'm on that bandwagon. The football football goes. Yeah. They're, um, I think uh, they have a chance to go to the Super Bowl this year. Uh, they've been really fun to watch um, during the playoffs. That's why I've been. So I recommend the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> uh, but um, there's really something I'll watch this year. Uh, and they're playing against the Chiefs on Sunday. But um, who are the Super- reigning Super Bowl champs? But uh, I don't think that uh, Mahomes is going to be quarterbacking for the Chiefs because he got a concussion in the last game. Now so I'm falling asleep. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I had to listen to 10 minutes of you talking about bad about you. You can listen to five minutes of me talking about sports. Yes. On that note. Fair enough. Uh, pla- uh, pla- peeps. Keep it mental. Yeah, very mental.
Mental Platypus is a production of Hoot and Waddle, producing fine arts and culture podcasts and publishing works of experimental literature since 2016. To learn more about Hoot and Waddle, please visit hootandwaddle.com. To learn how you can help support and sustain Hoot and Waddle, please visit patreon.com forward slash hootandwaddle. <laughs>